You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been cleared for takeoff. Great accolades, but I'll tell you what, that defensive performance was Flight Deck, podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouettes football. I am Tim Capper, along with the Cliffy one, Cliffy D. It's so unoriginal, but it's all I can come up with this week. I mean, we're on a bye week, aren't we? Yeah, it's a bye week, so I mean, I, I think we can uh, forgive uh, uh, such a... Uh, well, you know, it was a good effort. I, I appreciate the effort <laughs> all the same. Ah, I'm, I'm, that's not what you really wanted to say. You're just, you're just playing with me. You're just toying. Come no, on. not at all. Tell me how you tell me how you really feel. <laughs> I, actually, it was a, a little labored. I, okay. I'm not going to lie. Oh my god, with, labor, with, labor day. With it being the <laughs> duh, uh, uh, see, I'm not the only one who can half-ass things. <laughs> uh, dad jokes. Uh, okay. Well, yes, it is. A, it is a. Uh, it is a bye week for the Owls this week, but we have something that we are happy to talk about that we've not been able to talk about for the first time since the last three weeks of the 2016 CFL season. And that is, Cliff, a multiple game winning streak. Unbelievable. Did that even seem possible earlier this year? Well, no, you know, no, it didn't. And also remember what I said last week about how the, uh, how the line itself was ludicrous at being at 16 points. Well, there you go. <laughs> and fun fact that apparently, apparently, thanks to uh, uh, former Red Blacks podcaster Mike Smith, uh, uh, shout out to, to Mike. Uh, apparently the original, original line opening in Vegas was 26 and a half for the Red Blacks. What? Uh, don't I- you wish you... I, I heard that and I am so... So mad! I didn't put any any money on that. If I had known for just a second that made that the it, line would have been the first, that had to have been right after. Uh, maybe I don't know, but uh, I mean, what, what was the what did that make the the Edmonton game for Christ's sake? Oh gosh! I, <laughs> like I'm, I'm telling you, I don't know who who comes up with this stuff in Vegas. I, I it's pretty clear they're not watching CFL. They're not watching or. You know, I think they're just going by what they read in the papers or whatever, maybe like from, you know, four weeks ago. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this this doesn't compute. But I'm like, dang, why couldn't why didn't I think to put some money on this? Because I I said the Alouettes were at least going to cover. I couldn't I couldn't guarantee a victory, but I thought they were at least going to cover. And well, you saw they 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 covered. Yeah. Yeah. And I freaking covered. I, 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 I just. Yeah, I I don't get that. I really don't get that. I'm I'm going back and double checking. Uh, yeah, Massey Massey's rating, which is another well known site, which I think sometimes I swear they take take some other stuff from. They put they had had Ottawa favored by sixteen and a half. With by the way, Montreal only having this is what I love a ten percent chance at winning the game. Wah 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 wah. wah. So. Um, so there's that, but you know, to be, come on, to, to be fair, Cliff, we, we really, we can't, you know, we we can look at this as a huge positive. We can't, we can't take it for granted. We can't count our chickens before they hatch. I mean, we do have more than half the season, just over less than half the season to go. And yet once again, because of how the East is this year, you know, we are technically, only a half a game, if we go by games, we're a half a game behind Toronto, but we're tied for third 
in points at six with the win. It's it's pretty impressive. I mean, and now, incredibly, two weeks ago, this team was a dumpster fire and everybody that runs it is a goddamn idiot and so on and so forth. Now, all of a sudden, people are sitting up and taking notes like, oh, maybe maybe we underestimated this team. Maybe they're not quite the dumpster fire that we thought they were. And I got to tell you, Tim, that uh, it's a pretty nice feeling knowing that, you know, we've, we put our, our, our support behind this team and we want it to do well, obviously. And we try to be as fair as possible when it comes to critiquing the team and the players and what have you. And again, if something's not good, then we're going to come out and say so, not purposely go out of our way to crap all over the team. But I mean, we'll be honest with what our opinions are. I think we'll be fair and objective. But uh, to have positive stuff to talk about, to talk about the fact that not only is the team now on a winning streak, but now it looks like there's a little bit of direction. Now there's some things that are starting to fall into place. And I can't help but wonder just now how everybody's looking at this. And I mean, is is the Eastern Division now up for grabs, really, truly? It's anything's possible over the last couple of years. That's the thing. Anything is possible. So, you know, we just need to, as I said, take it day by day, game by game. Don't get ahead of ourselves. But the funny thing is, just by doing that alone, we have some controversies. We have other things to talk about. But, you know, let's let's talk about this game, this game first, because there was a, a lot to digest with this team. And it just wasn't on the Alouette side of the ball, uh, side of the field. So, uh, again, Antonio Pipkin gets his second consecutive win as a, uh, sorry, his se- yeah, second consecutive win as a starter. Uh, first time since it was uh, uh, Vernon Adams. It was Vernon Adams back in 2016, who also had a, 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 a three-game winning streak. So it's, it's, his, it's his current uh, teammate. Um you know, no touchdowns again, but I mean, 18 to 27, 242, two interceptions. And those, and to tell anybody who didn't watch the game or catch it, they were, they were on back-to-back passes, weren't they? I mean, literally back-to-back passes. Mm-hmm. And th- at that point I was like, Oh, what's happening? <laughs> yeah. Okay. There was definitely a few moments where it felt like the wheels were going to come off yet again, but uh, yeah, to his credit, Antonio Pipkin, didn't waver. He didn't panic. He just brushed himself off, picked up his socks, and uh, went back to work. And it paid off. He, he definitely looked – he still looks very poised, still looks like a leader, which, again, this Alouettes team is some, it's something that they've been desperately needing at the quarterback position for some time now. And lo and behold, here comes this 23-year-old kid out of nowhere, and he's, he's assumed the leadership role and done so very well, which is – so remarkable. I, I, I and again, I, I can't speak to just how amazed that everybody else is kind of seeing this as well. Like they're they're sitting up and taking notice too of Pipkin and what he's done in his uh, in his brief time as the Alouette starting quarterback. It's it's remarkable. There, there's just no other way to describe it. No, I, I know. Um, and uh, again, I mean the rushing. I, I think Ryder stunned at 81 yards. I mean two two of them were huge bursts. By the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, fourteen attempts, and isn't that a isn't that a team high for this year? Oh, it's got to be. I I, <laughs> I I struggle to think of any other running back on this team that has gotten that many touches and or at least attempts to get touches. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't mean, even think Study has gotten that that many. Um, and let's not forget, folks. Ryder Stanbeck Stone had 11, is. I think Stanback had eleven last oh. week, if I remember correctly. But still, they had. I mean, twenty three total rushes. Over 150 yards of rushing. What the what? <laughs> <laughs> and and let's not forget, folks, Ryder Stone is very much a rookie. Uh, yeah. Uh, and sometimes maybe that that's, that works in your favor because you don't know better. You don't know you're you're only supposed to get uh, limited action and whatnot. But he, he stepped right up, and his teammates sat up and took notice as well. And they've been behind him. And it feels like the offensive line is working harder just to get Get you know, open up some lanes for this guy and let Pipkin throw the ball when when needed because yeah the, there was a remarked difference in how this team has played the past couple of weeks and you saw a lot of it this past Friday in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stone uh, had uh, 14 attempts, 81 yards, no touchdowns. Pipkin nine nine attempts, 75 yards, and a tutty. 
Um, receiving wise, BJ Cunningham. Uh, is this the first? This is no. This is like only the third, I think, hundred yard game on the Owls this year receiving. I think uh, eight receptions, twelve targets, one hundred and seven yards. Ernest Jackson, what the what again? <laughs> uh, amazing. Only three receptions, but 80 yards. His longest was a 50-yard bomb, and it wasn't just one of those itty-bitty-bitty bombs. This one was perfectly placed. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, you're talking about, like, R- Mike Riley and Ricky Ray, just mm-hmm. their ability to just drop it down, yep. like a teardrop. Yep. And that's exactly what Pipkin did. And, again, we've, we've been pretty critical of Ernest Jackson. Like, he's been a ghost for the first part of the season, but, man, he has come alive in a huge way. And I don't know if it was because he was playing his former team, the team that he won a great cup with, that he felt like he had to show out against them. I don't know what it was. Maybe he just really has established that that connection that we keep talking about with Pipkin. But, man, Ernest Jackson was just alive this past Friday. And I, I'm telling you, like a couple of weeks ago, I was ready to, uh, to ship him out. Like if we if a team was looking for a, a good wide receiver, I, I knew of one. But now... Now I don't know if I necessarily want to want to part ways with this guy because he and he and Pipkin have really really come together and I can't wait to see more of it. Yep, uh, Eugene Lewis only one reception, two targets, eight yards. Riderstone got one too. Um, yeah, and, and defensive wise, it's funny. It's like uh, guess who led the team in tackles, Cliff? Uh, John Bowman. Chip freaking Cox. <laughs> Eight, yeah, ta- right. eight tackles but yes the rope uh the i'm trying to get what would i give him the the what, what would i give bowman we know he's a beast for he's playing the way he is i'm trying to give him a, a, a cool nickname because of how he's playing uh robo bowman that's so stupid but i'm gonna go with it anyways um <laughs> yeah uh he had another sack man i mean yeah. the owls i think uh, three sacks on the day yeah and uh who else has stepped up is uh Jesse Joseph, who has been a, a, a mentor or a mentee for uh, for John Bowman mm-hmm. over the past couple of years. And Jesse Joseph, like, I, I always say that there's always one player in particular that seems to really stand out at TD Place. The past couple of years, it's been Jean-Christophe Beaulieu, but now he's a member of the Red Blacks. So he can't really be that player anymore. But I think Jesse Joseph, in the past the past two times at TD Place, he's, stu- he's made outstanding plays and really made people sit up and take notice. And... He he did the exact same thing on uh, th- this past Friday because yeah he was also playing with purpose and which is great news because as we've stated John Bowman he's not a young man anymore and someone has to assume that leadership role and I thought it was going to be maybe Gabriel Napton who was making his return to the Alouettes lineup but Jesse Joseph man I mean this this kid he's uh, he ate his Wheaties on Friday morning and it showed something man I mean. You know the uh, the uh, the Ottawa O line did keep Hina Mwamba in check. He only had four tackles total, uh, no sacks. Um, but yeah, I mean the Alouettes held Ottawa to eleven points. Uh, it is their lowest output and also since uh, their last win at home before this past year versus Toronto, where Toronto only scored nine, and that was also the last time that the Alouettes held a team with an offensive touch any touchdown really uh, without an offensive touchdown in this game it, yeah. it, you know they, they held everything that they needed to do you know William Powell seemed to be a, a huge killer when it came to the Alouettes recently and held to a, a, a mediocre I'll say mediocre uh, you know 50 yards uh, Trevor Harris uh, passing 25 is 46 270 no touchdowns and also an INT that was the INT at the uh, of the INT at the end of the game by Campbell to, to seal the game. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Ellingson, you know, it's funny we we're talking about who they go to the most, and Ellingson again. I think you said said Sinopoli. He was, I mean, he had ten targets, man. Uh, Ellingson had thirteen targets, eight receptions, one fourteen. Sinopoli had five receptions, fifty one. I mean, to keep Brad Sinopoli, who has been playing extremely well this season, to keep him. At the fifty-yard mark, as far as receptions go, I mean, you're doing that means your defense is doing something right. All right, and uh, penalties were up a little bit, but man, dude, this is not something that we have not seen all year because the other ones just seem to be totally outplayed. They held the ball for almost thirteen minutes more, more than the Ottawa Red Blacks. And you know what that means? It means the defense isn't on the field longer than they needed to be. They're not getting gassed. They're not sucking wind and chasing their own tails by the fourth quarter. Yeah, they were very much rested and able 
to do those things that we had to do to win. They were able to get in Trevor Harris's face. They were able to shut down guys like Brad Sinopoli and Greg Ellingson for the most part. Uh, to keep William Powell, as you said, who's one of the premier backs in this league, as far as I'm concerned, to keep him shut down for the most part is no small feat. So, I mean, like this defense, uh, I mean, for, for those of you that saw the uh, the post-game uh, video that the Alouettes put out of uh, Coach Sherman and his speech, I, I'm in complete agreement with him. That defense was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's uh, they were seemed to be able to fix certain things that they were having issues with for most of the year and on their second down conversions cliff they were at 50 percent for the for the week uh for the game 50 percent 11 to 22 so i mean this was and not once did they they let the lead slip nope they 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 led to start and they kept leading all the way through from start to finish Mm -hmm. something else that this team has not done very much if at all this season which is like they had command of this game. Pipkin had absolute command of, of the huddle. This defense completely shut down. They bent quite a bit, but did not break. Again, I, I can't overstate just how important it was to not allow a touchdown to be scored. And again, I, I've got nothing but good things to say about this defense, which is it, it's been a good long while since I felt 100% confident in this defense. And I know it's just one game, so I'm not going to say that things are back to where they're supposed to be but this past friday was a great step in the right direction yep um there were a couple other things i mean there were penalties that were there were as i said 100 yards and penalties on a, on 11 of them um but there was a another play in this game where i i it, it's not that we had blinders on as alouette fans but it's very interesting to see now when you get hits from Angry Bird Kyrie Zaybert, what he did to B.J. Cunningham, uh, getting a two-game suspension is is really unheard of in the CFL. But you saw the hit, you heard the crack. He didn't really launch himself, but you know, the, oh, I, the, the, I felt he launched himself. Oh, okay, I, I guess it wasn't as bad as the one where he was, where I, you know, the, the one prior that he got suspended for, where it was clear. Maybe it was just the camera angle. That you couldn't see him, him really launching himself. But, I mean, it's, um, you know, we know Kyrie's is, is, you know, he plays hard. But now I think as uh, fans of a team that he doesn't play for now, it's very, now we're able to see why some players may be calling him a dirty player. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, as I said, it's, it's, I'm just, just watching it and I was like, wow. I mean, we we have to be fair and everything, but I mean, it's I mean now that we're not, he's not on our team, Cliff. I mean, uh, we did you always think that he was? What, what was your what was your thought on Kyrie Zaybert when he was with the Owls and when he was doing some of these shenanigans? I mean, it wasn't like this, but I mean, come on. Well, I, I think a lot of it when he was with the LOS was kind of hyped up because you're absolutely right. He does play with an edge and doesn't apologize for it. And actually, that's kind of one of the things I've always liked about Kyrie's. I mean, just the fact that he's a good human being yes does a lot of great charity work yes. and off the field is an absolute prince of a guy on the field i can understand why players don't necessarily enjoy playing against him and to some degree perhaps not playing with him because yeah it's it sure enough as soon as he's not on your team anymore that's when the knives come out and that's to be expected for almost anyone really but just the way that kai just kind of commands that sort of presence uh it it makes it very hard to defend a lot of these actions. I mean, again, it, to call him dirty is it, – it's hard for me because I really yeah. do like the way Ky, Kyrie's plays. But at the same time, there's no place in the sport for it anymore. I mean, the, the sport has to change, and it has. Players have to change, and a lot of them are. And the ones that aren't will find themselves out of the league fairly quickly and i have a feeling that Kyrie's right now is just he's simply not going to change i'm sorry he's at that point now like this is what you're going to get from him week in and week out and you either accept it or you don't and i i I guess ottawa seems to be standing by him no matter what which is certainly their right to do yeah 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 yeah. i I think a lot of fans a, a lot of red blacks fans i've seen are kind of in that same position that we were is trying to justify 
some of that behavior, but it's easier said than done. I mean, I'm sorry. Like, there's been a few times where, yeah, he's been really close, but I find the past couple of uh, infractions that he's had have been a little bit more blatant. So, yeah, I can see why fans are really in an uproar over it, and it does make it very difficult to defend. Even if you think the world of Kyrie's off the field, uh, on the field, if, especially if he's playing for your team, yeah, it, I can see why it would be extremely difficult to defend or justify a lot of the way he plays because, yeah, if he's out there injuring people, I mean, he's uh, supposedly he's the reason why John Cornish is no longer in this league. I know. I know. I saw and, that. I saw that talk, too. And the lick that BJ took against Kai this past uh, Friday, I mean, that was not pretty. And even I just sort of like, uh, like, yeah. don't know. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it, again, like, I, I can't I can't abide by that. I can't I, I can't defend any of that from Kyrie's. No matter what I think of Kyrie's the person, I cannot defend any of Kyrie's the football player when he makes plays like that. You know, it's funny. You know, we have the bye week now, and, you know, the the team has gone, and it was like what happened before with their first bye, us coming back and, you know, seeing that, uh, you know, we, we had a quarterback who was on the, on the mend, even though we didn't know we didn't see it happen. Watch us come back, dude, next week, and they start practicing, and then and uh, BJ's been put on concussion protocol. <laughs> Because well, nothing, that, nothing's got to be reported now. This is true. Uh, I mean, it's no, uh, or God forbid, put him in a walking boot. But <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we started it last week. Wanted to make sure that we did it this week because it seems to be a, a, a good trend to see how, how we come off. And I, uh, Cliff, I, I want to ask you this week. How, how would you rate uh, the team overall? How, what grade would you give them? Defense? Offense? What, what would I, and I think it was team overall. I think I think it was only three grades that we gave that we gave last week. So what would what would your grades for the Owls be from this past week's game? This defense is definitely a B plus, or the, yeah, a defense was a B plus. It, it, they they again when you can hold a team off the scoreboard touchdown wise, mm-hmm. that's a hell of an effort. And again, I've been extremely critical of this team's defense. Uh, aside from Hinok Mwamba and Chris Aki, who didn't play this past Friday. Uh, I mean, this team really has not shown up, but this past Friday, they came together, and it really was a spectacular performance. So there's still a lot of work on. Uh, there still are certain players that are not playing to their potential, mm-hmm. uh, making certain mistakes, but uh, again, that's to be expected sometimes. Okay. I, I'd say overall that this team's defense for this past game, I would definitely give it a B plus. By the way, uh, I'll, I'll step in real quickly and say that as far as their red zone defense goes i'm gonna give that an a because you know the the they were put into a position by that penalty that 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 pi in the end zone which was corrected by the command center which actually helped the alouettes being that it was placed on the three and not the one that you know the bend don't break mentality occurred right there and now i gotta ask you yeah We've seen the Super Bowl from a few years ago, right? Yeah, I've gone through many things Some, too. I went through the the Steelers one versus the uh, versus the Seahawks too, because I'm I'm a Steelers fan. If anybody mm-hmm. didn't know, yeah, where they where Ben Roethlisberger, what they said he was in the end zone, even though it looked like if they if they'd had replay. Anyways, continue. Sorry. Well, I I completely forgot about that one, but you're you're absolutely right. But I'm thinking more recently of uh, Seahawks versus Patriots. Yes. Uh, if you're down, if, if you've got the best, one of the best running backs in the league, why would you pass every single time? Oh, I like, see what you're going for. Okay. Like, yeah, I agree. Trevor Harris, you got three, three kicks of the can and each time you pass and that second pass, uh, the pass on second down, like that, that had the potential to be picked off. Could you imagine? I know. Uh, but I mean, man, like that was like three times and you've got William Powell in your backfield. I know. And, and you don't even think to let him try it from the three-yard line? I mean, I mean, he was averaging just over five yards a carry. But, I mean, I agree. I agree. I mean, even as an Owls fan, I agree with you on that one. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, like I said, props to this defense, like you said, like to, to have that goal line stand to turn them away at a very crucial time because mm-hmm. it was late in the fourth quarter when this all went down. And, like, that definitely would have turned the tide of the game huge, but... This Alouette's defense stood tall, took advantage of the fact that Ottawa just 
I don't know. I, I don't think I would have gone three straight passing plays. I mean, no matter how good of a quarterback Trevor Harris is, Again, I can't help but go back to you've got William Powell in the backfield. You've got J.C. Bollier as a fullback option. He didn't even get a touch or or he didn't even get a uh, a target. No, he didn't. Nothing like like this. This is the time to use guys like that. I mean, yeah. It, sometimes you can overthink things, and I have to wonder if that's what uh, Jamie Elizondo, the uh, the Red Blacks defensive coordinator. I wonder if he was overthinking on that particular drive. I don't know. I don't know. And it just and it ended up costing because, yeah, Montreal gets the ball back with a, a ton of momentum. And I think that that last drive pretty much took the wind out of the sails of not just the, the Red Blacks, but their, their fans as well, yeah. because they they had to score on that one. Like something and anything, but no dice. Uh, so, and you're talking about offense. What what was the What grade would you give the offense for this past week? I'd have to give it a, a B, too, because you're right. Uh, Boris Bede, essentially, was mm-hmm. the. The point scorer of, of the night, uh, he he basically accounted for 14 of the 21 points. Uh, if it wasn't for Pipkin running in, t- running in a touchdown, uh, there would be no TDs in this game. No TDs at TD plays. <laughs> yeah. So, again, Pipkin nice has done a great Nice drive, though. That was a nice touchdown drive, though. Oh, it's fantastic. But you need more of those. You need to actually put real points on the board. And I said at halftime, like you're, this, you're not going to beat Ottawa with just field goals. And that's pretty much what had happened. So once Pipkin was able to get into the end zone, that helped amp things up a little bit. But there were still a lot of missed opportunities uh, to put touchdowns on the board, and it just didn't happen. So, I mean, Montreal's uh, offense has definitely improved by leaps and bounds, and I will give 90% of the credit of that to the way Pipkin has controlled this huddle, the way he has taken command of this team. Give them full marks for that, but you still have to score points. I mean, throwing for 50-yard t- uh, passes is fantastic and all, and being able to move the chains is great. But, I mean, unless you're putting points on the board, like real true points, yeah. like touchdowns, uh, you still got a ways to go. And that's honestly how I feel. I'm very encouraged. I'm very – will not take anything away from the win for Pipkin, but overall this offense still has a lot of work to be done, but – once again, I am still very pleased with what I've seen so far. Yeah. By the way, that drive we're talking about the touchdown drive started at the Montreal twenty-nine. It took a it took a a it was uh eight plays, sixty-five yards. And the funny thing is, and that that wasn't the large longest drive of the of the of the day. That was their for their first field goal where they happened to happened to just stall. And that and I agree with you. It's something. It, it just they, you gotta finish. You gotta finish the drives, but. Um, overall, what would be the, I mean, obviously, if you average out what you've given already, but what would you give the team overall? I guess you can include coaching, you can include special teams. What would be the overall grade that you would give the for the Owls for the, uh, versus the Red Blacks? Overall, it would be, again, a B, because they improved dramatically. They played a, a much better game than they did even when they were at TD Place a, a couple weeks ago. I felt they played a, a far better game. Uh, I can't say enough good things about offense and defense, how much they've improved overall. Right. But again, there's still a lot of things that need to be improved. Uh, still, a lot of, still a lot more work to be done. But overall, I'd say that this team, I, I think, had to prove to themselves that they were not this, uh, this dumpster fire or this train wreck or whatever cliche you want to use as far as describing just how bad they've been. Uh, I, I think they've come a long way from even just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And the way that they've turned, managed to turn things around, it's still a small sample size, but they've, they're building something here. They've built upon these wins, and I hope it continues because there's something here. And just taking a look at what's going on in the rest of the Eastern Division, I mean, as I said, it's not as cut and dry as it may have been, say, a month ago. Uh, I mean, Ottawa, again, was the, is still very much the first-place team, and as of right now, still the team to beat. But... I mean, they look shaky, and if uh, this has to really st- stung their confidence, and how how they bounce back this week against BC is going to be very telling as to the rest of how the rest of the season is going to go. Because right now, I know they've got to be really they got to be embarrassed. I mean, they lost essentially to the last place team. Yeah. I mean, that's I don't I don't care who you are. Like that's that's going to hurt your ego, and you either let it consume you or you build off that as well. So Ottawa really too has to get their act together and. Uh, I, for their sake, they got to hope that this was just a blip on the radar. But if not, if they can't 
start pulling it together and maintaining that that lead in the East. I mean, Ottawa, uh, sorry, Toronto, Hamilton have also kind of turned the quarter a little bit as well. Uh, uh, I'm curious to see how this is all going to play out, but this is uh, things have just gotten a lot interesting in the East and at the right time too, because a lot of people say the CFL season doesn't really start until Labor Day. Well, guess what? Labor Day's come and gone. We're now in that Grey Cup chase mode. Yep, you've already seen the ads. The road, road to the road to the Grey Cup, or the Shaw. Yeah, the Shaw. What is it? The Shaw Road to the Grey Cup. By the Shaw way, Shaw Road. Yeah. Be, by the way, Betty again this week. He he averaged eighty point five yards on kickoffs. He only had two, but still, that accounted Cliff for two rouges. Absolutely. Like, and I can't help but wonder if maybe having that little bit of competition now. As the Alouettes did add uh, mm-hmm. Felix uh, Briere Menard to the practice roster, that's right. I can't help but wonder if maybe now he's not feeling so comfortable, and maybe that's just you know sometimes you need that little kick in the ass to get going. That's and right. listen, hats off to Bitta. He played a, a fantastic game. Uh, oh, his punting it was a lot better. There was no illegal kicks out of bounds. Nothing, nope. Nope. no shanks, no nothing. Like he played. We got we got one. Our we we had a, we had a, a gift on one too. We get coming to us so. On a was it a, a by Leone? He did put one out of bounds, right? I think. Yes. Yeah. So, um, what's your uh, what's your feeling on the return of Stefan Logan? Not much to go gauge by. I mean, there was seven seven punt returns, only an average of six point six point six. I gotta say, and maybe we were just spoiled with how good we had it with William Standback in, in Stefan's absence, but. I, I got to say, I, I felt a little underwhelmed watching Logan again. It just felt like he really couldn't break one out. And uh, again, it, it makes me wonder if maybe time has really caught up to Stefan Logan. Maybe he's he really isn't the young man he used to be. I mean, at 37 years old, you're not a young man in this game. And yeah, you're always going to look fast at, 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 during training camp and practice when no one's really out to get you. But when, when the bright lights come on and these things actually count... Uh, I mean, it just looked like the same Stefan Logan that just couldn't get things going. So I, like I said, I just hope it's that, you know, getting back into the groove thing, shaking off the rust. But, I mean, this team has to think about getting younger as far as kick returners go. There's just no two ways about it. Right. Same as I said, like John Bowman, we, we love the guy. He He's still a beast, but this is going to be his last season. And already now we're starting to look at, at what his replacement, what the replacement options are going to be. We had no choice. We had to see who else was going to be able to return kicks when Logan was injured. But now I have to wonder, have we found those replacements? And how much longer do we want to keep giving Stefan Logan a chance to just get five yards of carry when it comes to returns? Because that's kind of where he's at right now. And uh, that's not really going to do a whole lot. I mean, even if you've got a great quarterback that can get you out of those jams, you kind of need that explosive returner to get you good field position. And there was a time where Stefan Logan was pretty well guaranteed to get you that and i think that time has come and gone so i i, I mean I, I got nothing but respect for logan but i'm starting to wonder now if father time has finally caught up to him something we'll have to see something we'll have to see what what comes up uh, over the next couple of weeks with stand back with study with how that's going to all shake out and when it comes to who's going to be where these pieces are going to are going to be placed within the the alouette's scheme of things so we'll, we'll have to watch it very carefully and um you know, maybe they'll keep looking on, on kick returns. I don't know. I don't know. It's something that something we'll have to look at and and and, and ponder once once we do find out who where they are on, on the depth charts. So um, uh, right now, Suddy Suddy's the main piece, but also Standbeck is too because I mean, it, luckily we do have a third option also in Ryder Stone. But as I said, it's we won't know until they start practicing next week. And it's funny, like we. We can. This is what this is what this week is all about. With the Alouettes being on the bye, is it's speculation. And yep, we've actually got something else to speculate now because let's face it, Tim. Whether we thought it would ever happen or not, we've got ourselves a true quarterback controversy yes. in Montreal. Yes, we do. I don't care what people say. I mean, I do understand they're like, oh well, you traded this, that, and the other for Manzel, and this year. It's just so weird with a lot of the trades that the Alouettes have done. They always they, they seem to have gotten a lot of these players back, you know. When um, <laughs> it's just crazy, but you know, again, people need to remember that you know Alouettes don't have any first round draft picks now until 2020. Is it tw- sorry, 2021, 2021. So what? Ha- I agree with you, I, and I'm trying to remember when's the last time that we actually had a, a legitimate quarterback controversy. 
We didn't have one when Crompton was under center. Didn't have one when uh, Durant was under center. Could it, I no. guess I guess going back to uh, pre ninety six. <laughs> I guess I guess that would be the case. Yeah. So because I guess the matter as a, as an Alouettes fan, what do you think it should be done, and what is the right thing to do? You know, what what does your heart say, and what do you see as the right thing that needs to be done? Um, I, I'm not a bandwagoner. You're not a bandwagoner. You and you and I were just we were shaking our heads when people were chanting, you know, we want Johnny, we want Johnny, when Adams was under center and getting disrespected. And I, I understand that we paid a pretty penny for him, for, for, for Johnny. But you have to go with the hot hand. I mean, you, and, you and I were talking about this before. Mm-hmm. You have to go with the hot hand. Win or lose, you have to go with the hot hand. You know, they said that uh, Manzo would come in for some, for some specific, game, specific plays. He never did. He never did. Because it wasn't the right thing to do, and it wasn't the right situation to do it. So... To me, right now, and you said it before, uh, unfortunately, right now, Johnny Clipboard is, I think, the way that it should stay. And let's play this thing out because we actually, remember we were talking about it before a couple a couple weeks ago, we are talking about finding the diamonds in the rough in the CFL. We may have finally found our diamond in the rough. Yep, there's no question. And yes, you're absolutely right. We, we paid a, a hefty sum to get Johnny Manziel's services and to, to think that we traded essentially two first-round picks and some very talented players just to have Johnny Manziel hold a clipboard on the sideline seems unfathomable. And, yeah. But, again, no one could have foresaw this, except maybe Antonio Pipkin. Yeah. <laughs> just to be able to come in here and take over like he has. And how do you go to Pipkin next week and say, hey, kid, you did a great job for us, but, man, you're not selling those number two jer- jerseys. Uh, we got we got to let Johnny back in. We got to let him... Uh, you know, this is what the fans are coming to see. Like, yeah, you won us games, but you're not moving the merch. You're not selling tickets. Like, people aren't coming to buy. I get that. Yeah, I get that, too. But you know what? To me, I understand it can be a money thing. But as you and I have joked many a time already in the past couple of weeks, an extra 2,000 people, eh, you know? I, I know I wouldn't blow my brains out for an extra 2,000 people. But again, I'm also not the Alouettes in the marketing department yeah. and their operations department and whatnot. But... By the way, uh, Again, people, I just, people I tend just, to forget too. By the way, Cliff, and you're talking about you know we paid so much for a player to be holding the clipboard. Uh, what did we give up for Vernon Adams, and what did Vernon Adams do? Mm-hmm. We gave up a first round draft pick for Vernon Adams, and this this was a guy who was uh, uh, he was a Negless player at that, that time, right? He was, but then well, he was actually Negless for BC, and sorry, then we sorry, sorry, yes, yeah. And then what did what did he do? Well, he he's he was on the practice roster. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, and we gave up a first round draft pick for him. Yeah, because so, uh, again, it was more important to play Kevin Glenn and Rakeem Cato at that time. Yeah. So, you, you, sometimes you don't mess with chemistry. I agree. Because, again, we've talked to these players after the game, and they they are on the Pipkin bandwagon. They, they've never said anything disparaging about Johnny Manziel and his leadership abilities, but you see the way that these guys play for Pipkin. And you saw it last week against Ottawa. The week before against Toronto, like they are going to war with this guy, gladly going to war with him. And you can see the confidence, you can see the body language and how they respond to him. They see him as a leader and they are willing to run through a wall for this guy. They might be willing to run through a wall for Johnny Manziel, too. But is it really worth taking that risk to find out? I don't think so. I, again, you and I are in complete, complete agreement. Uh-huh. You got to go with the hot hand and barring an injury or something catastrophic happening to Pipkin, you got to stay with the kid. And if that means, yeah, people might be upset because they want to see Johnny Manziel play. Well, what's more important? Like the Elvis really do have to decide what's more important, selling tickets or winning football games. I want to believe at this point, especially after seeing what we've seen over the past two weeks, I think winning football games is kind of fun. And I think we should keep doing that. And I, I really, truly hope that the Alouettes organization feels the same way. And let's not kid ourselves. Johnny Manziel will be starting again. He will play again for the Alouettes as a starting quarterback. There's no question about that. But why rush it? Why? You, you saw what happened the last time you threw him out there completely unprepared. Yeah. And that wasn't so pretty. No. I don't think people people really weren't buying or feeling any of that. What's the worst that could happen at this point to Johnny Manziel? 
He learns more of the playbook. He gets more comfortable with the receivers, even on scout team duty. He gets himself ready so that when his number is called, whether it's due to injury or any other circumstance, he's ready to go. He feels prepared. And he's not trying to wing it. Because that's what it was. That first game that he was playing, he was literally trying to wing it. And it it failed epically right in front of the whole world to see. Perhaps this time around, maybe now when his number is called, he'll be a lot more prepared. He'll know the playbook a lot better. He'll maybe understand his receivers a little bit more. And maybe, just maybe, we we may just begin the Johnny Manziel that we were promised this whole time. But as far as as where things go right, right now, yeah, yeah I, I, I don't see any conceivable reason to cast aside Antonio Pipkin. He's more than earned the opportunity to be a starting quarterback in the Canadian Football League. Mm-hmm. And he has more than earned the opportunity to lead this Alouettes team until he doesn't. You're, you're only as good as your last game. <laughs> but Antonio Pipkin's last game was pretty darn good. So you got to stay with him. I think so, too. And, and I said the, the two the two interceptions, I think, were just a blip happened on two. And, and it's good to see that he did not. Uh, he didn't fold. He didn't fold under pressure. So stick with it. Please stick with it. <laughs> That's what I mean. That's the maturity. That's the the poise that I keep talking about. Yes, you make mistakes. I, I expect a 23-year-old to make mistakes on the football field. There's been lots that have made mistakes, and there, he will make more mistakes again in the future. But you know what? It doesn't rattle him. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't give up on himself. He just says, okay, on to the next one. It's already a distant memory, and he's back at it. He just he picks himself up and keeps going. And he he gets he he makes up for it. He betters himself as a result. Mm-hmm. That's it, it's such a a rare trait to see in a lot of quarterbacks. But he's got it. And again, the fact that he's got it at this this young age is so remarkable. And you just can't. That's that's not something you can really teach. To be honest with you, you can't teach that kind of poise and maturity. You either have it or you don't. And Antonio Pipkin's got it. So I mean, like again, this is why you've got to you got to stick with him. Until he completely falls apart, and it, if that means going the entire season with Pipkin, then so be it. Because yeah. that means you're winning, and if, if the Alouettes keep winning, that changes a whole lot of things. And I, I, again, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but no, I mean, no. just based on what we've seen so far, there is a lot to be encouraged about. And again, he's only going to get better with time, Pipkin. So he's on a, a he's on a streak right now. The Alouettes are on a streak. You got to ride this thing out. That's all there is to it. You just got to ride it out, see where it goes, and whatever happens, happens. That's that's how you really got to look at it right now. Yeah. Um, not 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 very much coming out of the Owls camp, as we mentioned. We don't have a game this week, uh, so uh, the Owls aren't favored or are underdogs, according to Five Dimes. <laughs> uh, it'll be very interesting to see, by the way, what the what the uh, uh, what the uh, odds are next week versus BC. One thing that we had to talk about with the changeover to, to September, the Alouettes uh, dropped the, the the Delta logo, uh, which did start, by the way, did, even though I wasn't a fan of because it really wasn't a complete Delta logo, Cliff, and it wasn't how, how it was before, but it did continue. It did grow on me by the time that uh, uh, by the time that it was quote unquote retired, but maybe that's because we had two wins under it also. Um, but the Alouettes went ahead and they're now celebrating their current incarnation and their logo and this is where i have an issue because uh i have seen you know the owls have promoted that this uh what do they call it deconstructed a and it's on you know it's on the it's on the shirts that they're selling which i which i bought which i love um and i think that it would probably look good as an actual logo on the helmet but the alouettes are not going that route are they cliff uh, for some dumbass reason, they're going with the route of the uh, the cartoon bird outlined in red, and I'm thinking, what the hell are you doing? Uh, it really wasn't um, noticed until we saw a picture from LBJ, who's doing a commercial. The Alouettes, by the way, are doing some great commercials for uh, for Bel Air uh, insurance, <laughs> um, and he's becoming a superhero. I just saw pictures of it. But anyway, it shows in the background. Uh, it's just an outlined cartoon logo A. And uh, that's going to be the logo. And I'm thinking, you guys, of, uh, of all the logos that you've had this year on your helmet, and it's a great idea. This one is the worst. Yeah. Especially the fact that it's basically a monochrome logo Don't again. You. Yeah. It's going to be so it, bad to see on helmets. Yeah. Uh, 
no, I if you're gonna again, I I, I appreciate what they're trying to do with the, the whole history of the whole earn your earn your wings roots to wings, whatever they've been calling all these campaigns, uh, featuring all these logos from the past. When you go to this monochrome logo, I mean, it just doesn't pop. It doesn't look exciting, especially on a plain white helmet. Like there's no striping, there's no detail, there's there's nothing. And now you're going to trot out the current Alouettes logo, but just like a, a basically a shell of it. And that's really what it comes out. Like that's the reason why we weren't too big of fans of the Delta logo is because there's no color, there's no vibrancy to it, like, like it had back in the day. Like when you saw those old helmets with that logo, even. 2010 when they did that retro look yeah with the the the, the, the uniforms from the 1970s including the delta logo yeah i mean those were gorgeous because you had all the colors and they just looked alive whereas this past month it's just been like a basically a red triangle which i, I know you said you've warmed up to it and it's not so bad after all but i mean i still say it's kind of soulless kind of oh it is meh. oh it is i mean it, if you're gonna go with it go with it if you can do it properly you know, do it properly, but yeah, this this month, man, I. I, I mean, we we haven't seen it yet on in action, but I'm, yeah, I'm telling but you right yeah, now, the just picture I t- sent you, dude. You 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 saw it yourself. It looked horrible. It, yeah. Nobody it, knows what we're talking about. Head over to Luke Brodeau-Jardin's, uh web uh, Twitter page, and there's a couple of photos of him there uh, doing the commercial uh, for Bel Air Direct, mm-hmm. and. It's oh, it, it's in the background. It's just bad. It's just really bad. Yeah, I think people are like. There's a lot of people already that hate the Alouettes logo because, like you said, it, it looks like a cartoon bird and it doesn't look fierce or any of that nonsense. Like to me, that is the team's identity, and it's something that I've come to love and appreciate over the years. But like when you see it like this, when it's just basically in all in red, red and white like that, like it just looks empty. Yeah. Like. I, again, you keep using the word soulless, but that's really what it looks like. It's just kind of blah. Like it doesn't inspire. Doesn't inspire, as far as I'm concerned. It's it's just kind of bleh. like I mean, I, I like the white helmets. Going back to the white helmets was something that I, it took a little getting used to for me, but I I've come full circle on it. I do love the white helmets, but with the proper striping and a proper full full color logo. I, I know next year. There's going to be a new uniform supplier, and this is probably going to be a great opportunity for the Alouettes to make a complete rebrand, a complete change to everything. And I can't again. I've often thought that this season was basically a, like a focus group, if you will, to see which right. logos really re- resonate with fans, which ones really get them excited, and and that which direction they're going to go. And yeah, now to see this, see them go back to the the logo that we've known for the past, well. Let's, let's say 20, 20 plus years yeah, 23 years and that but you're only gonna do like kind of half-assed on it like it just it's not even <laughs> yeah it's like a quarter assed <laughs> it's it just uh it, it's disappointing let's let's put it that way so i'm hoping like october november especially if they're going to gray cup run god forbid if, if you're if you're trotting out these like well i'm gonna wonder what are they gonna do what are they gonna do for october are they gonna go back to a full color logo because remember, they've only gone with a single color logo for one month for each of the last couple months. Right, but I again, you're talking about if if you're going to the playoffs or you're contending, you, you want to put your best face forward. And I'm not saying that the uniform is going to make the difference between a win or a loss, but could you imagine going to the playoffs with like these kind of quasi logos, these you know these sort of like half-assed efforts? I'd be disappointed myself. I mean. Uh, I'm always of the opinion, look good, play good, play good, win good. But, I mean, this just doesn't look good. It's, it's just, yeah. Yeah, I know. Uh, we are still trying to come up with some stuff for the bye week. Uh, some of the stuff just hasn't gone our way. <laughs> it just hasn't gone our way. But we're still trying to plan on, on get something for uh, for you uh, for you fans. And, uh, again, watch watch our all of our Twitter Watch our social media feeds to uh, to find out that information. And by the way, speaking of social media, before we leave, just got to at least remind you that we are on multiple places on social media. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. Twitter is at Alouette's FL Deck. Facebook is at Alouette's Flight Deck. And there are multiple ways to listen to the full archive of episodes that we've done over the past three, two plus years, two plus years. Uh, best places to go over to alouettesflightdeck.ca 
You'll see everything there over at the Podbean, uh, Podbean location, but the same thing, you can go over to Podbean. Uh, we are also on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and Spotify. <laughs> you, you got it! You got it! <laughs> Hallelujah! Oh, see what a winning streak does, oh, folks? Oh, oh. Uh, that's what that's helps when you write it down. So... <laughs> Uh, so, uh, what, do you do anything special for the bye week Cliff? Just I mean, well, revel te- te- Technically, well, well, I know what you're going to do, and I'm going to do it too. Come on. I, I mean, it's the other f- pro football league is starting this week. Yes, yes, yes. We definitely have to pay attention to that because mm-hmm. that is important, folks. I mean, football is football, no matter what. I mean, yeah. we'll still, like, again, there's a triple header of CFL action on Saturday, and that's great, but I mean. I've been going since April, dude. I don't mind it. I've been going since April of football. So there you, there you go. I mean, we back to back to back leagues, baby. I don't mind it. People are saying exactly. Back Anybody to doesn't back like to back arena, CFL football, uh, NFL. So, yeah. So, and believe me, I'm, I'm always excited for CFL football, but yeah, once NFL gets rolling, that's when, you know, like this is the best time of year as far as I'm concerned, because we have reached ma- We are reaching maximum football. You've got CFL, you've got NFL, you've got college football. So if you want to see the stars, the future stars of the Canadian Football League, look no further than the NCAA, folks, because there is some very exciting football there, too. So, I mean, and U sports, too. Don't don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah, There's still yeah, yeah. Athletic, uh, athletic performances in U sports as well. Hey, but, hey, uh, McGill won. That's funny. I, I know. McGill beat, beat Sherbrooke. What the hell? Yeah. That? But Concordia still got smoked by Laval, but. <laughs> well, <laughs> and Laval's just on another level altogether, yeah. and no signs of stopping there. Yeah. But so, but I mean, there's there's just there's no shortage of great football out there, folks. I mean, whether you prefer Canadian rules or American rules, it's all there and it's all good. So yeah, as I was saying, this is this is the time of year. If you are a football fan, you are just you're you're reaching that peak. You're reaching that point where you're just like maximum football, and uh-huh. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So. It should be fine. So I say, keep keep uh, keep looking to our social media accounts, and we'll let you know if we're going to have anything special coming up, which we we're so hoping we can do. It's stuff that we really want to do. We'll get somebody. We'll get somebody to talk talk uh, talk CFL football with us, Alouettes football, and then we can preview the game versus BC for next week. So, um, any other uh, any last words, Cliff, before we leave? Well, folks. Get excited because the Alouettes will not lose this week. And if that doesn't get you excited <laughs> post-Labor Day, I don't know what will. <laughs> I like that. That's that. Perfect. Perfect way to end it. So for everybody here at the Alouettes Flight Deck for Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. We're on Final Approach. Take off to the great white north. Take off. It's a beauty way to go. Take off to the great white north. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.